Hello, EB Online Church family. Whether you're on your couch or you're in a friend's living room, whether you're joining us in the morning, noon, or night, thank you for making us part of your day. Now remember that next week, Sunday, January 24th, we intend to resume in-person worship for those who are able to attend. But don't worry, if you need to remain at home, we will be offering a live video feed during our 10.30 a.m. worship. Just go to our website at eastbrainerchurch.org and then find EB Live under the Resources tab. Again, we thank everyone for being patient with us as we move to an online-only format around the holidays. You have lived out that lost and forgotten beatitude, blessed or the flexible, for they will never be bent out of shape. Hey, look, last week, I poured BBs out all over this table. And I know that watching those little orbs bounce and roll all around really messed with some of your OCD issues. But don't worry, we picked them all up. We got them all back in the container, I think. It was just the best descriptor that I could think of to describe how I have felt over these last 10 months watching this pandemic scatter my friends, my family, and my church. We've all felt the frustrations of being separated from the life that we once had. And we have all gone through the process of grieving that loss. We've denied that there was a problem. We've been angry over the cancellations and restrictions. We've tried to bargain. Okay, I'll wear a mask for a couple of months. I'll do school online, but only for one semester. We've experienced depression as the walls seem to be closing in on us. And now we are finally coming around to an acceptance that, friends, things are just different. And in this different, scattered world, we were reminded last week that God's people have always had their greatest impact when they were poured out of their container. Scripture shows us that every transition, every adjustment, every crossroad, and every U-turn provided the opportunity for God's people to have greater impact. Difference makers is the description that we used last week. So you've been poured out and, and you've been scattered. You have lost and you have grieved. And you now have the opportunity to be a difference maker in this new normal. And so we said, hey, wherever we find ourselves right now, let's do three things. Let's pray where we are. And, and that is honestly pray about what we are experiencing right here and now. And let's love who we can. We have neighbors all around us. So love the people that God has brought into your sphere of influence. And then we said, hey, give what you have. Don't make excuses about what you would do with what you don't have. Share whatever gift that you have been given. We were created by God to be difference makers, no matter the location or circumstance, and no matter how scattered we may be. In fact, there is a message in your Bible written specifically to a people who were poured out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it again. Look, the message begins this way. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. It's James chapter 1 and verse 1. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he was very influential in the early church. Though initially skeptical about the claims of his brother, after Jesus' resurrection, we know that James became a pillar of the church. He, he would become the leading voice of reason and courage among the Jewish Christians who were living in Jerusalem. Now, while Paul traveled and reached out to the Gentile populations, James remained in Jerusalem and, and he shepherded the men and women of Jewish birth who accepted Jesus as Messiah. 
So we should not be surprised to find James writing to Jews who have become Christians and who now have had to leave Jerusalem. Now look, if you remember from last week, back in Acts chapter 8, severe persecution broke out and the Jewish Christians in mass fled for their lives as fugitives. These people ended up scattering all over the Mediterranean world. And with great compassion, James wrote this survival manual for all those Jewish Christians who were going through tough times. Now stop and think what it was like for them back then. If you were a Jew, that meant that you were hated by most people in the world. And if you were a Christian, well, then you were ostracized by the Jews. So if you were a Jewish Christian, then you really were a person without a country. You had to leave your home, your job, your loved ones, and nobody wanted you. So these are hard times for the people. And it's in times like this that James will say that an individual needs to put their faith to work. Because when times get hard, when we are tempted to complain and, and covet and, and show partiality and curse and fight and judge and, and maybe even just give up, that is when James says that, well, look, if you say you believe like you should, then why aren't you living or why are you living like you shouldn't? To James, it boils down to this. Does what you believe affect how you behave? Does your faith make a difference? James isn't interested in the declaration of your faith, but in the demonstration of your faith. In fact, I think the key verse in James is found in chapter 2 and, and verse 14. Look at this. James asks, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Now, in our culture, there is this pervasive idea that faith is to be private. Keep your faith to yourself, we're told. Our problem here is that we have confused private faith with personal faith. God calls us to have a personal faith, but He never says that it should be kept private. In other words, there is no such thing as invisible fruit. You see, the new birth is so potent and it's so compelling in our lives that it must manifest itself. Jesus said that just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, well, so you can identify people by their actions. Two men were once in a conversation. Once one of them said, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. What have you been up to? And his friend said, well, I've, I've been taking first aid courses and I just received my certificate. Hey, well, that's great, the man said. Has it, has it come in handy? And his friend said, well, as a matter of fact, it has. I was driving the other day and I came up on a terrible car accident. I mean, it was really bad. There were multiple injuries and it almost got the best of me. Well, the man asked, well, how did your training help? His friend said, well, it was wonderful. At first, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and then I remembered what I had learned. So I put my head between my knees and I actually kept myself from fainting. Now, look, the moral of this story is that it's easy to be filled with knowledge about things that never get put to use, at least the use for which it was intended. And James is going, man, he's going to beat this drum. The, the, this idea that conversion is meaningless. Religion is useless unless it makes a difference. Unless it makes a difference in the way you live and impacts the people that you live around. So does what you believe affect how you behave? Is your faith making a difference? Now let's talk about a specific way that you can be a difference maker this week. On Wednesday, our nation will transition from, from one presidential administration to another. 
And unless you've been quarantined with Bigfoot for the last year, you know that there has been a lot of anxiety and anger surrounding this past election. And it seems that everyone has an opinion. It also seems that many of us are more than happy to voice that opinion, whether anyone asks us for it or not. We light up social media with posts and, and tweets, and, and we copy and share the latest and greatest articles, never mind their veracity. We have an opinion, and we demand that it be heard. After all, we've been told by politicians and the news media that the sky is falling and our, our very democracy is at stake. So we are told that we must speak up, that we must make our voices heard in order that we can, now listen to the wording, make a difference. But James tells scattered Christians that in order to make a difference for God in their world, that, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Well, that doesn't play very well in politics, especially in our political climate, does it? No, it's different. But it is the difference that is needed to be witnessed among the people of God. I watched in sadness last week as our fellow citizens, energized by a president's rhetoric, let their anger and their desire to be heard overcome their decency. The disregard for law and life was terrible. But what disgusted me the most, as the thousands of protesters and rioters descended on the Capitol building, was that the name of Jesus was being used by some among the crowd as a rallying call. That somehow the Savior of the world had given sanction to the saving of our democracy. That somehow the eternal kingdom of God depended on the future of a transient empire. Friends, Jesus never called His disciples to take hold of a nation's power even though that's ex exactly what some of his followers wanted. They wanted to gain control of the reins of command and use it on behalf of the people of God, on behalf of the good guys, on behalf of the righteousness and, and just. Instead, Jesus called them, well, he called them to an altogether different route, a different route of bringing about the radical change of the kingdom of God, that of self-service and servanthood. Jesus expected the ethics of heaven to empower His disciples while they lived here on earth. What we witnessed in our nation's capital has no connection whatsoever with the call of God on the life of a believer. The kingdom of God does not find its fulfillment in the angry ragings of political zealots because human anger, James says, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The kingdom of God impacts the world through Scattered disciples willing to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The difference making that God intends doesn't come through the ballot box or protest. It comes when men and women who have submitted their lives to Jesus live like Jesus in the midst of their unbelieving friends and family. It's why Peter would tell his scattered audience to be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then he said, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, well, they're going to see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. And living properly among your unbelieving neighbors, living like Jesus, means that instead of screaming about our, our favorite political issue, we listen to what is bringing pain to the family of our coworker. It means instead of constantly defending a failed politician, we consistently promote a thriving ministry that's actually impacting others. It means that we use words that bring healing and encouragement. We speak grace and peace 
and mercy and humility and forgiveness. And friends, when we speak truth, we smother those words with love so that they can be heard. You see, I'm afraid that the anger brought on by the things we witness in our society, and and look, there, there are many things to be upset about. But the anger that we feel as we look around us has made us willing to sacrifice our influence in order to win an argument. And friends, Christians should not be known more for their politics than for their purpose. And our purpose is not to get a person elected or a policy enacted. Our purpose is to point others to Jesus Christ. So do something with me this week. Become a difference maker by talking more about your purpose than your politics. Fill your social media with words that point others to Jesus. Don't argue about stolen elections or liberal policies. Engage others in conversations about love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Instead of celebrating the impeachment of a president, praise the resurrection of the King of Kings. And let's be honest, some of you watching this message need to take a social media and cable news sabbatical. You have been responsible for instigating and engaging in conversations that have damaged your witness. And it's time to repent and refocus your political passions around a disciple's purpose. Guys, our God does not have a nation. He has a kingdom. And He needs men and women who will passionately promote His agenda. Men and women whose beliefs affect their behavior and whose behavior points others to Jesus and His plan for healing and change. And by the way, if you watch or listen to this message and you find yourself wondering because of my comments what my political bent is, well, that's a pretty good signpost that you're way too concerned with politics. Now look, if you just can't avoid a political conversation this week, allow what you believe to affect how you behave. Before you speak, listen to those whose views are different from yours. And then you choose your words carefully, asking yourself, will what I say make it easier or harder to speak with this person about Jesus? And realize that you and you alone control your response in every situation. Someone else's views or comments do not have to influence your behavior. Now look, if you will do these things, if you will do these things when the subject of politics comes up, if you will allow your faith to make a difference in you, then God will make a difference through you. And who knows, you might even have a chance to talk about your purpose. I pray you will.